listeners. Welcome to Most Self-Improved. I'm Erin Jensen with my lovely co-host, Bhavna Chilakori. Hi, everybody. <laughs> this episode covers the final chapters of The Perfectionist's Guide to Losing Control by Katherine Morgan Schaffler, chapters eight and nine. Next week, we'll be speaking with Katherine herself so she can answer our questions that we have after reading the book, which is very exciting. So let's get into it. The Perfectionist Guide to Losing Control. In Chapter 8, New Things to Do to Help You Stop Overdoing It, Catherine writes about the importance of restoration, which she defines as a combination of decompressing and playing. Restoration is key to keeping maladaptive perfectionism at bay. When perfectionists are restored, they, quote, define success on their own terms, on their own timetables, honoring their own values with their own metrics for achievement. Catherine says it's passive relaxation, scrolling on social media, watching TV. Playing is active and fills you up. So working out, walking, cooking, painting, writing, dancing. I feel like Bob's in, in any given breakup, you've done all of them at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Exactly. Activities. What is your play for you? For me, I love, I love a good workout. What is your play? Amazing. It's definitely not working out. I'm very jealous that that's your... I know, but your way of actively relaxing. No, I mean, I relax, but play, right? Restoration, play, difference, right? As Catherine mentions in the book, it doesn't have, when we think of relax, just like stopping motion and doing nothing, you could be restored by the other things that she mentions. So what restores you? I do love like a really long 90 minutes, two hours, just like walking, not with any destination, but I feel like there's such good people watching and like, You can daydream. Overall, I really appreciated this differentiation between the passive relaxation and the playing. Because I think I've always just been like, oh, self-care or this is what relaxing is. Like I have to like meditate to relax, which I get very restless. So I liked that she said perfectionists, a lot of them don't like to sit there. They like to be doing something active. And that Mm -hmm. actually is the thing that fills them up. So it's a new way of looking at it. And I also like that she gave permission to like do some passive relaxation, scrolling or watching TV, of which I do a lot. She said you have to empty yourself before you fill yourself up. Yeah, so exactly. I liked that. I felt like a prescription for Bravo, which I liked. <laughs> reframing is another tool that Catherine says can help you. So reframing is when you use different words to describe an event, sometimes yielding a more helpful solution. So instead of getting stuck on an issue, you can say, what's another way to look at this? Have you reframed anything lately? I feel like we talk about reframing a lot. Definitely throughout the process of wedding planning, there's been like, this isn't exactly what I wanted, or I wish we could afford this cool thing. But another way to look at it is look at all the things that I do get to have out of this. And I'm so excited for this. And this is something that, you know, I've wanted, blah, blah, blah. So stepping outside of yourself and being like, okay, what is another way? But what about you? What have you reframed lately? I'm surprised to know when a little little sad Sally where it comes to the dating department. And yesterday I got so sad. I literally was like, but do I pay this woman on Facebook advertising that she will draw your soulmate for like (laughs) $49.95? Wait, she'll draw them like a photo she draw, she will draw your soulmate. And then this other woman was like, here's my soulmate. She did such a good job. And then other people in the comments will have it too. But I'm like, this doesn't look like that. Like, and then are you only like subconsciously looking for men like that? Like, is yeah. that how it happens? So instead of saying that was the answer, I reframed it to that was a scam, I guess is the most <laughs> <recent>. <laughs> beneficial 
But no, I think it's interesting. I'd, I've heard of reframing, but I'd never heard someone suggest taking the I out of it. So Catherine suggests talking in like the third person. So instead of mm-hmm. saying, what do I need? What am I feeling? I would ask, what does Aaron need? What is Aaron feeling? Which makes me feel weird to do. It is but I weird. Think it's, it's good to provide that distance or it's also been said, what would you tell your friend in a certain situation? So maybe that's a little more comfortable. Also, if you are feeling stuck in a situation... I really liked how she talked about sleep. Everybody yes. just needs to sleep. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> sleeping enough. Whatever. I know everyone always says that, but really who's getting enough sleep? So get your no, eight hours. No, it's so important. It's, I feel like I'm an eight to, if I had nine, like I would rule the world. Too. Exactly. <laughs> Catherine writes, giving yourself permission to feel joy now is the ultimate marker of successfully managing perfectionism. When clients describe their depression to me, the description is a direct commentary on their ability to access pleasure. If pleasure is an afterthought for you, you are in danger. Anyone who's been depressed, that's what it is, right? It's like you can't feel happiness. It's like, ugh. So that spoke to me. Yeah, that whole idea of pleasure as a reward or pleasure as something that's for later. Or I can be happy when... I don't know. It does feel very familiar until I get X, Y, Z. That's when everything's gonna fall into place and I can finally be happy. But that's so sad when I don't know that I like really thought about it until it's like I read the words. But I was like, that sucks. You know, if you're like just waiting and waiting. For me, it's like, okay, if I like the thing I want most right now, it's like a husband and I want kids. But if I just keep being sad every day that I have no husband and it never happens. My whole life is a sad collection of days. Like, no, we have to be present and mm-hmm. appreciative and happy in every where moment. we are. This is a big moment for me. The author writes about how every day in the summer, she has a like frozen yogurt topped with Oreo crumbles and she walks around New York City and she is just gleeful for I think 20 minutes or however long, just people watching similar to you in your walk. And I have yeah. had a moment of that in New Orleans and I hadn't been there for a long time. And I had the most delicious coffee with probably like almond milk and a zero calorie sweetener. <laughs> One of the things that stuck out in my mind of Catherine's moment was huh, frozen yogurt every day and Oreos, huh? Because to me, I'm like, so typically restrictive to have Froyo every day, I would be like, oh, this is a treat. And it has that like, quote, treat it's not me judging Catherine. It's now a a realization about myself. So I love how she is just able to do that. And she's not seeing it as a treat. And speaking of that reframing, she says, it's not quote, I'm going to allow myself a treat of chocolate because I've been good this week. It's I want chocolate. Mm -hmm. So I'll eat it. That's it. That's the end of the story. There's no guilt around it. And it's not because she's encouraging that you're going to go willy nilly. I think she feels the opposite. If you just are in touch with yourself and allow yourself this pleasure and do not restrict it, you're in touch with everything else. And you'll probably be reasonable and say like, okay, well, that's enough. So that was a very big moment for me. Does that sound silly? No, it's not silly. It's so funny that when I read about that, I was like, I don't know if that's a treat. Like ice cream every day would be a treat. I was like, that sounds pretty healthy to me, which I don't know what that tells you about my eating habits versus yours. Maybe I I need to like I get think some it, of those zero calorie sweeteners. No, like, yeah. no, anyone listening would be like, they rotted her brain. And this is why she <laughs> is the way she is. No, I think that that's, it's obviously the healthy way to look at it. We're not being restrictive. My natural inclination would be yeah, we're okay. indulging, but like, it's just being an existence and like, 
yeah, she wants to have Oreo crumbles and yogurt. Yeah, I really liked this story too, because my mind immediately went to also, no, you can't just do what you want. But when she makes the point of, as you said, why do you assume you're going to have such lack of control? You're probably going to be fine. And it's actually worse to deny yourself stuff. And it actually, I remember when I lived in Italy for a year for grad school, really like having ice cream four or five times a week. I never thought about it as like a treat. It was so freely available. And like, you just take it and you walk around and it's, I, there was something really freeing to that. But. It reminds me of back with deeper than money, Chloe's whole, we're not going to be restrictive because we're going to be sad. And at what mm-hmm. you know cost is it to your life? Catherine writes, when you make your access to pleasure conditional, a treat for being good, you're communicating to yourself that whether you deserve to feel good lies in direct proportion to your performance, not your existence. A pleasure conditional mindset can rapidly metastasize into polarizing experiences of self-worth for anyone, particularly for perfectionists who are already prone to dichotomous thinking. So true. It's so true. And she says, in a control mindset, pleasure is a distraction. You don't have time to feel good when you're operating with a scarcity model that demands a continual supply of externally validated worth. You start intellectualizing joy, making an excellent plan to be very happy later. So it's Mm -hmm. just, it's so good. In a power mindset, you allow yourself to delight in your world now today, not because you earned it or because you feel like being quote bad or naughty, which is so, it's such like a food thing for me, but because you are alive, like it's so, it's so good, right? Eat the gelato. Yeah, I will. Maybe I'll do it right now. Oh, just open it. Just everyone will cheer. It's just like you cut to you eating. And then also to not overdo it, Catherine hammers home that what you would like to happen in perhaps six months or a short amount of time may take five years, but she encourages, quote, remember that your worst day of actively working towards what you want in this life is going to be better than your best day of a life in which you are denying yourself your truest desire. So even when we feel like we are not doing it, we are doing it, which is a summary of writer Holly Whitaker's words that Catherine also includes. We are always forever doing the things we imagine in our hearts. We have always started long before we even realized we started. If you are feeling like you aren't doing it or like mm. you're waiting for the real work to begin, please remember in this moment you are doing it, which this whole chapter is, are you doing enough? And it's like, you're mm-hmm. doing it. Even when you don't feel like it's a measurable step, your mind thinking your little heart is in it. So I loved that. I have chills about it now. And then Catherine writes about resistance saying it's a good thing. It means you're on to something real. And then she also reiterates that you're already complete, perfect and whole, which this. She loves to tell us that. And I like it. We're whole milk. We're not skimmed. <laughs> She says, this really spoke to me during all of her time as a therapist. She has never once heard someone say, quote, I'd give anything for one more day with her as long as her hair looked right and she was being funny, which obviously, hello, she wrote that about me without yeah, even your hair knowing. Does, your, it does look right. You are funny. She adds the external achievements you're working on that you think are going to certify your belonging with others, the career moves, the body, the fill in the blank achievement before fill in the blank age. I say this with all the love in my heart. Nobody cares. All people care about is you and you are not a composite list of your perceived accomplishments and failures in life. The energy you bring into the room with you is more valuable than anything you could ever do. That's what I got from chapter nine, just inspirational quotes. 
You know, I love it. Even though we are working so much, it's also, you know, be responsible for the energy you put into the room. Are you encouraging to others? Are you loving others? Are you positive? Are you compassionate with yourself? When you're out to brunch with your friends, you're not out to brunch with all of her amazing accomplishments or poor romantic decisions, you know? Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with your, with your friend. With your friend. I like that. <laughs> I think the only thing I'd want to add is, yeah, I feel like this whole chapter is just her cheering you on to be really nice to yourself, which, you know, sometimes like you need that. I really liked where she talks about trusting yourself and how self-trust is necessary for self-love. She's like, oh, everybody always talks about self-love, but you actually have to trust yourself and it's okay if you've made mistakes. You just have to like give yourself the grace that you would give everybody else and then slowly build up trusting yourself and then you're able to love yourself because without that, you're meeting that self-love with some skepticism. And because it stuck out to you, I'm curious if there's a time when you feel like you weren't trusting of yourself and what the Mm. consequences of that were. I feel like when I was dating, I was like, I do not trust myself. My picker is broken. I think, yeah, I slowly learned. It's like, okay, that version of myself was doing the best she could. And not every outcome or even most of the outcomes were my fault. It's just what happened. So stop trying to ascribe it to yourself. And that allowed for the, oh, I love myself. I'm doing the best I can. I'm still in it. Rather than like, you idiot, how could you make like another mistake? That's good reframing right there. That's what I would call that. That's good (laughs) reframing. Graduation from school of reframing. Valedictorian (laughs) Bhavna Chilakori. Here we go. Now that we have finished reading the book, I'm curious if you have any final thoughts or things that you're going to take away from it. Anything sticking with you? A couple of things sticking with me. I was talking about this with a friend of mine yesterday who was also a procrastinator perfectionist. And did like, you make her take about- the quiz? I did. I just know. I don't need her to take the quiz to know what she is. She agreed. I described them all. Like, oh, that yeah. one's me. But we were talking about all the stuff we want to do. And that idea of, oh, it's not necessarily that we're lazy or, oh, if you wanted it bad enough, you would have already done it or you have no willpower or self-discipline. It's also just about letting go of it, having to be perfect and just starting. That feels very empowering. Being okay with mistakes and like messing up and it's like, okay, whatever. Like at least it exists. I think it's what Rudy said, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to exist. But his standard was even lower. It doesn't even have to be good. It just has to. That's (laughs) why... We have that other podcast because it doesn't even have to be good. So yeah, it's true. It's so, it's just true. And even if it just exists, I'm still so proud. I think it's good, but it's, I'm still so proud of it. Just do it. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, just everything that she said around treating yourself with kindness and like being accepting of yourself. A friend of mine is a professor a philosophy professor. I sat in on one of her classes once and she was telling the class about two types of love that parents have for their kids, accepting love and the other is transformative. And accepting is like, oh, I I love you just as you are because you're my kid. You don't have to do anything. And then transformative is more of that tiger mom. You need to be a good person. You need to learn how to do this. This is important for you to succeed. And if you give too much accepting love, you just end up with this kid who thinks they're the greatest, but like isn't like trying. That is definitely Antoinette's daughter. Yes. (laughs) But if you give too much transformative love, then they're like, oh, am I like accepted for who I am? 
But I was thinking about those two things. And basically her point was you need a balance of both for like a healthy human being. You can't tip. And I feel like in this book, it just illustrates that balance really well. Because I think perfectionists come in with, the, oh, I need to do these things to be loved. or These are the ways I need to transform. And she really pushes just accept yourself. That's such an interesting point. We should have your philosophy professor friend on the show. Probably. Should, yeah. Teach us some things. That's me. What about you? What stuck with you? I mean, you know, it's literally every page (laughs) (laughs) spoke to my soul. The first, of course, being that not everyone will be haunted if they don't fulfill their dreams and potential. Huge, huge, (laughs) I think, and an ability to understand that not everyone is that way, but so hopefully I can connect with them on something else. And yeah, I think, as you said, just the kindness and the compassion and then using all of those perfectionist qualities for good, not beating myself up, but celebrating that I do have these really big dreams, but I also have the ambition to do them. I was talking with my friend yesterday. I promise I'm not just saying it because you said you had a conversation with your friend. (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend too. No, but she was talking about applying for these conservatories for acting. Ooh, she, cool. she's like, well, of course I want to go to the best. I'm like, yeah, you do want to go to the best. There's a reason why we met at Syracuse, the best for this broadcast digital journalism program that we did. There's a reason she's like, yeah, sometimes I just wish my dreams were a little smaller. I'm like, no, you don't. We have big dreams, but we also have the desire to chase them. And we might think, oh, this is the harder road going after you want, but really the harder road would be sitting there swallowing the fact that you never tried to do it. Oh, mm-hmm. So yeah, just just this book helped me fall a little more in love with myself, let me be more seen, made me feel less alone, which I love. And listeners, it is not over. So hopefully you're excited about it. Bhavna and I were delighted to have our first author interview with Catherine Morgan Schaffler. She told us how to say her name and that is coming next week. So I'm so excited for that episode. I think it was really good. And she, I mean, she was like a little light angel, even her voice. I found her voice very soothing. So that will Mm -hmm. conclude our series on the perfectionist guide to losing control next week. If you are liking hanging out with us, no pressure, but let's make it official, you know, subscribe to the (laughs) podcast, write a review, tell a friend, follow us on Instagram at most self-improved all one word. We would love to connect. Bhavna, anything else you want to leave our listeners with? Be nice to yourself, follow your dreams and get eight hours of sleep. (laughs) <laughs> That's it. I was watching this yoga yogi, Yogi Berra documentary. <laughs> Not a big sports girl, obviously loves a sports documentary. And they were talking about how he became known for his yogiisms, right? Like if you come to a fork in the road, take it. It ain't over until it's over. He coached Derek Jeter mm-hmm. on the Yankees. And he would say stuff like, if you see a strike, hit it. And he was like, Yeah, I mean, I guess it's really simple, but like, it's true. It is as simple as that. So those things seem really simple and really doable and will hopefully change all of your lives for the better. I'm so happy that I I got to have another conversation with you. Hopefully this helps people. Likewise. Yay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.